Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Well, I'm glad that you're here this morning, and uh, I hope that you're glad to be here too. We're still talking about, um, Jesus said what? Right? What? Um, the interesting thing about, about Jesus is he never, he never ever said, hey, just kidding. You ever had anybody say that to you? I mean, they spin out something and, and they're trying to be funny, uh, but you're taking it seriously. Like I remember, remember one time, um, President Reagan. Maybe you remember President Reagan from way back when uh, he he was he didn't realize he was on the mic. His mic was hot and he was just trying to be funny. Do you remember this? And he said something about the bombs are on their way. You know, it's, it's like Armageddon's going to happen kind of a thing. And he was just joking around. He thought, you know, I'm president. I'm, I can push the button anytime. So he, he was just just having some fun and the people heard him. Well, Eventually, he had to say, hey, I was just kidding, just kidding around, right? Um, that was like pretty serious. You wouldn't want a president to do that now because the state of the world is in and all that. But yeah, we've all been at that place where we've said something and somebody misunderstood it and we need to backpedal a little bit. And so, we, oh, just kidding, just kidding. And it's interesting that I don't think Jesus, at least we don't have that in the scripture. I mean, can you imagine reading through the Bible and this is a very serious uh, section where Jesus is asking us to do this, telling us to do this. This is what I command you to do. And then you turn the page and they're just, just kidding. See, Jesus doesn't, doesn't kid around. I mean, it's serious business. And so what we're trying to accomplish together is to, to not just see and hear what God wants for us the teachings of Jesus, but we want to respond with seriousness. This is what he says. This is what he commands. So we're going to talk more about that today. Um, so we're, we're in the, the red letters. If you've got one of those red letter Bibles uh, that all that Jesus said is in red letters. And so um, we're going to we're going to look at a, a several different scriptures this morning. But before we do that, I wanted to recommend a couple of books to you. Now, one of the interesting things about our denomination is that we have, as a history, a group of people who put Jesus and Jesus' teachings first and foremost above everything. We figure if you're going to be a Christian, you're a Christ follower, you're a Jesus follower, his words would probably be the words that you would use to filter everything else in Scripture, Right? And so I realized that, you know, Paul and, and Peter and some of his other disciples wrote things after Jesus went into heaven, but they do not supersede what Jesus taught. In other words, you don't use Paul's writings or Peter's writings or John's writings to interpret what Jesus said. You use Jesus's words to interpret what Paul and Peter and John said. Everything has to filter finally 
through the teachings and the words of Jesus, because he's the one we follow, right? Even Paul said, well, you know, there's these other guys that are out there, they're teaching, and some people get in their minds that, well, I'm a follower of Paul's teacher. I'm a follower of this guy's teaching or this guy's teaching. That's all well and good, but, you know, they are followers of Jesus, and they're doing their best to interpret at their time, their place for their people, how to put Jesus' words into practice, right? So that's what we do on Sunday morning. There are lots of pastors all around the city of Fresno today, all trying to express what they think Jesus said and how to interpret that and put it into practice in your everyday life. That's our job, is to try and figure out, okay, Jesus said this, how am I going to put that into my life and make it work? So there's there's two books. Um, the first one is called The Red Letter Revolution by Tony Campolo. Now, you may may know who Tony is. Some people think he's a little bit on the liberal side. Um, I think he's pretty, pretty solid. Uh, but the basic idea behind his book was this. Take Jesus's words seriously. And he spins out what he thinks are some ways in which Jesus's words can be applied to our personal lives and our and our society today. It's a great read. I, I encourage you to do that. It would probably bring up a lot of questions and a lot of discussion. Another one is uh, by John Piper. Now, th- these guys are probably on opposite ends of, you know, conservative, liberal, whatever. Uh, I don't like labels. I, I think that uh, I think that they don't do us many, much good. Okay. But the bottom line here is that John Piper, very conservative, uh, he's, he's written a book called What Jesus Demands from the World, and it is a heavy read. It's a heavy read. Because it simply looks at the words of Jesus and said, Jesus isn't kidding around. Th- this is serious business. If you're going to follow me, you're going to do what I say. So we're going to look at, at a couple of passages that, that go down that path. Now, um, the, big, the big deal is that, that these men want us to understand the difference between what, what we call today evangelical faith and true Christ following. Because evangelical faith has, has kind of diminished the words of Jesus in many ways. Um, the evangelical camp has created a mantra. Some people even call it like a a magical uh, little phrase that you say. You say these words, you say this prayer, and you're in. And then you do what you want. You do what you want. And Jesus never taught that. Jesus never said, hey, if you pray this prayer, you invite me into your life and ask forgiveness for your sins, good, you're good to go. Jesus said... Follow me. Follow me. And in that context, Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus was, was, was well known as a rabbi. And what a rabbi did is that he, he called people who were studying the scriptures to walk with him, talk with him, see how he lived his life. I mean, they basically were, were like, you know, just always around him. Wherever he went, they went. Whatever he said, they were glued to it. And after he was finished, there was a debrief session and they talked. And we see that in scripture, don't we? You see, that's what Jesus wants from us. As as followers, we are 
His disciples. We are to be there to see, to hear, to listen to Him, and then to debrief. And, and then when He's gone, Jesus expects us to take on that mantle. There, there's this, this way in which uh, rabbis would, would talk and they, they would say, you're, you're kind of coming to me to learn about the way that I interpret God's word to humanity. And then what a rabbi would do is when he felt the disciples were ready to go, he would basically give them what they would call the keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom were this. Uh, you remember that Peter was given the keys of the kingdom, right? He was going to be the head of the church. Well, what that means in a Jewish mindset is you have now earned the right as a teacher of God's word to lock and unlock certain things. So what does Jesus do? He says, these things are permissible. Unlocked. You're good to go. These things are locked. You don't do these things. You see what I'm saying? So Jesus says there are certain things that God doesn't want you to do. And so a rabbi would look at the scriptures and he would study them. And then he would, by his own example, not do certain things. Those were locked. And then, on the other hand, there were certain things that were unlocked to you. And remember Jesus said, said, um, my yoke is easy, my yoke is light. That word yoke of teaching, that yoke of teaching, was basically the idea of of what what the mantle was of the whole of the teaching of that particular rabbi. So you'd have people that would study under Gamaliel and, and all of a sudden they would go, oh, this is his take on the scriptures. These are the things that he has locked. These are the things that he's unlocked. These are the things that I can do. These are the things I shouldn't be doing, Right? And so we have that in our churches today. You have certain pastors that say, well, these things are permissible to do, and these things are not permissible to do. When I grew up in my church, there was no dancing, right? No dancing, no drinking, you know, no going out with girls who do, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and so we understood that the, these were the parameters of what we thought were okay and what we thought was not okay, Right? And so we have lots of churches that have different takes on those things. Some of that's dependent upon your tradition that you grew up in. I mean, there are some churches, boy, they dance up a storm, right? And they know how to, to, to express themselves without being lewd or rude. And it's a worship event. That's great. Other churches just haven't figured that out yet. Okay? That's okay. And we see in Scripture that, that the Gentiles were treated a little bit differently than the Jews. When the Gentiles started coming to faith and the Jews here, they grew up in their Jewish tradition. They said, whoa, we still got to obey all these laws. And the Gentiles, they had this this meeting. And Paul and Peter got down and dirty and they just said, you know what? We need to decide what's okay, what's unlocked and what's not okay for our groups of people. And so for the Gentiles, they had a lot fewer laws. Right? They said, don't eat meat that's, that's offered to idols and don't live an immoral life. You keep, make sure you're sexually pure. And you know what? You're pretty good to go. Right? Well, the Jews, they had other laws that they grew up in their tradition. They said, no, we've still got to maintain these things. 
And there was some, you know, consternation between the groups because it's like, well, how come they get to do those things and we don't? Well, part of it was a social dynamic. But there was a, there was a leader who was interpreting the scripture to apply to life. And that is the yoke of teaching. That's the whole of the teaching that was laid on the shoulders of the people that they were teaching. And so what did Jesus say? My yoke is easy. My yoke is light. It's not a burden to you. And what do you say? Okay, I'll, I'll sum it up for you. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what? All the laws, all the lockdowns, right, are controlled by this one thing. Be loving. Be kind. Right? And so... Here we have this idea now that Jesus has his teachings and he doesn't want it to be a burden to you. He, his teachings are there to help us understand how much God loves you, how much you should love God and love others, and how you live your life in a world that's chaotic and controlled by Satan, right? With the idea that you want to express the personality, the, the, the gifts, the talents, whatever God has given you uniquely to be able to bring glory to God and get people's eyes back where they should be, right? To loving God and to loving each other. So, so Jesus says this. The first thing that Jesus says is, do what I tell you to do. He's not doing it in a mean-spirited fashion. He's doing it as an act of kindness to us. To bring us back to the, to being the kind of people that he originally intended us to be. So if you got your Bible, open to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. A very familiar passage. Many of you have even memorized this. It says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, as American Christians, we have a problem. I don't know if it's unique to us. I don't think it is unique to us now in the world because uh, with media and the ability to, you know, uh, send a message out to the world uh, so easily via internet and everything else. I think people have kind of caught on to some of the American ways. We've got to keep in mind one thing, folks. We're a bunch of rebels. Right? I mean, we shall have no king over us. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. One man, one vote. I get to weigh in. And you know what? If I don't like it, I'm not going to do it. Can anybody relate? I mean, my mom and dad, I mean, they were beside themselves because, you know, I got to that, that stage when I was seeing what was happening and I was, I was seeing a little bit of hypocrisy in their life and I'm going, like, well, I'm not so sure I want to do that, you know, and, and it became, it became this battle between me and my parents to, to just do anything. Well, then it became a battle between me and my employer, right? It became a battle between me and my wife and my kids. And, and I'm, I'm always battling. Why? Because I want to be in charge. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I took a class in psychology one time. 
And uh, one of the, the uh, professors, he, he says, I want to show you something that's, that's, that's basic to human nature. And he says, come on up here. And one of the students went up there and he, and he, and he said, okay, you just stand there. And then he took his hand and he just put it right here and started pushing on this person. And this person started to go back like this and then they leaned in. He says, see what's going on? He says, pushback. Pushback. See, I am, I am physically trying to get them to go someplace, to move back, to, to do something that I want them to do. And what are they doing? There's a natural pushback. He says, that's part of human nature. Is we don't like to be pushed around. We push back. And this is part of the problem that as humans we experience is that we have this natural tendency to want to push back when it's something that we don't like. It's uncomfortable. So as a nation of rebels, uh, we struggle with the idea that Jesus says, I've got the authority, not you. So you ever had a conversation with a guy who says, well, you know, God, we need to talk about this one for a little while. I'm not so comfortable with what you're asking me to do here. Maybe you haven't had it physically, but I've had that conversation with God. It's like, really, God? Really, you want me to do that? You want me to forgive someone who has been so mean to me? You want me to turn the other cheek? They slap you on one cheek, turn and let them hit you on the other side too. If they ask you to go one mile, or literally the Romans would actually have the right as a Roman soldier to force you to carry his gear one mile. And Jesus was referring to that. And he says, if they ask you to go one mile, go two. Go two. Really? Really? It, see, it's about selflessness. Jesus wanted us to be prepared to do and to be and to live the way that he did. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He wanted to serve. He wanted to give. He wanted to be generous. So he's been given the authority. And the question is, do we, do we really heed to that authority? Do we take seriously Everything that he says. Or do we take an evangelical mindset and say, you know what? I've been forgiven of everything. There's this mantle of grace, this blanket of grace that's over my life. And if I mess up, eh, no big deal because I'm covered by God's grace. It's a very cavalier attitude. Right? Some people call it cheap grace. So yeah, this is very sobering. It's sobering to me. It should be sobering to all of us that Jesus in his loving way, is trying to say to us, I love you, but you need to take seriously what I taught you. Be obedient. He's been given the authority, not us. John 14, uh, the Gospel of John 14, verse 23, Jesus said, said, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. I mean, at first it's like, if you love me, you're going to do what I say. And then he tries to tries to, to fill in the blanks and say, and you know what? It's going to be great because I'm going to be with you during that time. 
I'm here to assist. I'm here to help. I'm here to encourage, right? I mean, the, the, the name for the Holy Spirit is the come alongside encourager. And so whatever Jesus asks us to do, we should be encouraged that we know that Jesus is with us in the process. He's not asking us to do something all alone or so difficult that we can't accomplish it without his help. Right? So he wants us to, to experience this amazing life that goes way beyond what we think we can accomplish on our own. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49 says this. This is Jesus, red letters. He says, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I, I think Jesus... Um, forgive me, Lord, if this is, you know, out of, out of, uh, just stupid. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, I think Jesus was the original captain obvious, right? I mean, okay, let's just stop and check this thing out. Okay. Uh, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord when, I mean, by that you're saying, God, you're in charge. God, you have all authority over heaven and earth. You made the planets. You made the stars. You made the sun. And and all authority has been given to you. But, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. Because I got this figured out, you know. I've been on this planet now, you know, several years. And I know what's what. And so thanks for the advice. But I'm going to opt out of what you're saying. Isn't that ludicrous? I mean, really? So the question is, do you really believe that God loves you? Do you really believe that God created you with an intent to have an intimate relationship with you? Because you know what? He likes you. He wants to hang with you. He wants to show you some amazing things that nobody else gets to see. Just because he's... Just because he loves you. He wants you to be obedient so you can experience the kind of amazing life that he has for you. That's the background. That's the background, right? And he goes on, he says, "Um, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. He says, it's like a person building a house who digs digs deep, lays the foundation on solid rock. And when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. We all know this parable, right? I mean, Jesus says, you're going to build a house? Great. You know, dig down deep. You ever seen those houses that actually, I mean, they drill into solid rock and they put a metal post down there. And I mean, it's not going anywhere, right? He says, that's what it's like for a person who obeys God. He says, but, and then he goes on, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey, there's that darn word again, obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Now, here's an interesting, look look at that last phrase. It says, when the floods sweep down against this house, it will collapse. Now, we don't know when it's going to happen. But this is a guarantee. This is the truth. There's a lot of people who build their life around their ideas, their ways of doing things, that they're, you know, 
whatever. And God says, you know, it can go okay for a while. I know, I know people that have, have built their houses in some pretty precarious places. And, and, and then you wonder, I mean, have you ever thought about that? I mean, let's build our house where hurricanes come every year. And let's, let, let's not, let's put it right on a cliff overlooking you know, this wonderful ocean. And then they're like, oh, we're so surprised that this hurricane took our house and now it's, right? I don't know about you. I just kind of, it's like, duh. Right? Now, that house could be there for seven or eight, 10, 25, 30 years. I don't know. But you know what? The truth is, if it's not built on a solid foundation, at some point, it's going down. Right? And this is what Jesus is trying to get across to us. Number one, he loves you immeasurably. He gave his life for you. Because he likes you, he loves you, he wants you to understand how important you are and your relationship with him is to him. And then he gives us his word not to harm us, Not to scare us, but to encourage us and help us realize the amazing life that he has for us. That we see things happen that nobody else is going to see happen if they didn't invest their life in trusting Jesus. Right? So he says, he says, um, be careful where you put your foundation. So how can we obey When we think, and I've thought this, it's just too hard. It it doesn't make sense to me as a human being. It's just too scary. I've had all those thoughts as a follower of Jesus. So how do we obey? Well, Jesus says, be sure of this. I am with you always. I'm with you always. But I mean we've got to we've got to get that. We've got to put it on our mirror and, and look at it every morning. You know, Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, Hey, don't forget, you know, creator of the universe, I'm with you. Always. Right now. You're looking at a tough day. You know what? I'm with you. Always. You're staring down an awful, terrible disease. I am with you. Always. Things aren't going well at work. I am with you. Always. It's something we have to keep saying to ourselves. That we can be the people that God calls us to be. We can do the things that God calls us to do. Why? Because he is with us. All We're not left to our own devices. We are not on our own. God is with us always. That's what he wants us to know. Even when he was ascending into heaven, what did he say? I- I'm with you always. I'm going to send my spirit and he is going to indwell you. He is inside us. He is with us. 
He is so close and he, he's not going to ask us to do anything that he's not going to equip us to be able to accomplish. Why? Because he's with us. It's important to know. It's, it's 101 Christianity, right? And yet we so quickly forget it. Number two here, what, whatever I tell you to do is totally possible with God. He says that in Mark, uh, Gospel of Mark, look at it yourself. Mark chapter 10, verse 25 through 27. It says, Jesus is giving the teaching again. He says, in fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And uh, the disciples were astounded. And, you know, I always wondered, why were they astounded at that? You know, maybe they had, they had in, their, in their mind, you know, this guy trying to push a camel through a little sewing needle or something like this. Well, you know, the needle was, was this portico that was kind of small in the, in the side of a wall. And in order to get that camel through, they had to unload the camel. He had to get on his knees and they kind of pull him and push him through. I can see a whole bunch of little Jewish guys kind of doing that. That'd be kind of funny. And, and so you're pushing this camel through and eventually he pops out the other side. They got to load him back up again and then they go, right? So it wasn't impossible, but it was hard, extremely hard. Something that you didn't look forward to at all if you were had a camel and a lot of stuff, okay? Um, and, and what's interesting here is he, he says, the disciples were astounded, and then who in the world can be saved, they said. You know, that's an interesting question. He says, it's hard for a rich person to enter in. You know, one of the ideas that I think all humans kind of Carry is they all we all want to be rich. I mean, come on, admit it. Right. I mean, you, you didn't, you know, go through college and say, I hope I'm a poor person someday. No, we have aspirations to, you know, make it big. I don't know about you, but man, I wanted to be rich. I grew up poor. And that made me want to even be more rich. Right. And it's not just. Being rich or not being rich, it's the wanting to be rich. You know, they've taken surveys of all different strata of people economically. And you know what they all have in common? They all want more. They all want more. As a matter of fact, when they took this survey, it was about 10 years ago. They, they said, they all, if I just had $400 more a month, everything would be great. And you know what? If they got that $400, what they want, probably $400 more. Right? It's just that little bit. What it says is that they're just not satisfied. And this is, this is what Jesus is saying. It's hard for someone, not just someone who has a lot of money, but anybody who has a desire for more money, and thinking that that more money is going to make them satisfied. See, I've always thought, oh, this is about, you know, Jesus got, is really getting down on rich people. And then I realized that isn't the case at all. What Jesus is really saying is that anybody who has monetary hopes, dreams that are going to bring them their satisfaction, bring them their security, bring them their, their, their whatever they think they need in life to be content. He says, those are the people that it's hard to get into heaven. It's when we're focused on material things being our comfort zone. 
being our salvation, being our security. And so they said, so who in the world can be saved? Because we all think that way. We all want to be rich. And it says uh, Jesus looked at them intently. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, you ever been with someone and you know it's coming and they drill you with their eyes and they just make you feel super uncomfortable, right? It's like I'm looking at you, right? And all of a sudden you kind of like, okay, well, how would you like the God of the universe to be going like, got my eye on you, dude, (laughs) you know? Intent, Jesus, I love it. Jesus is looking at them intently. Now, I have to admit, you know, I'm a movie movie buff, right? And one of the funniest movies that I've seen in a long time was, uh, uh, oh, what was that? Was the new Jumanji movies, right? And they got that guy, what's his name? Uh, who, who's the guy that, that Rock plays? Yeah, he's got the smolder, Right? He's got the smolder look, you know, and, and when he looks at people, it's like, whoa, and you just kind of get the chills, right? I mean, think about it. God's looking at you, and if you had a one-on-one with Jesus, and, you know, they, there was just that moment in your conversation where he just stopped and went like, yeah, and you're waiting for what's going to come. Well, this is what comes, right? Just pretend you're that guy right now. And he says to them, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You know what he's saying? All of us greedy people who want more, who think that our life is going to be finally secure when we get that job, when we get that extra money, when we get the inheritance, when our grandparents die. You know, whatever it is that we think is going to make us happy finally in life, When we get over that and we realize that Jesus is our everything. He says, everything is impossible with God. And he is referring specifically to your salvation. It is possible for you to be saved. But what does it require? You go back to the illustration. What it requires really is the humility to get on our knees and unpack our bags. And say, if I only have Jesus I have everything I need. Okay? If I only have Jesus. And then he goes on, one more thing. Matthew 5.16, he says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. What he is basically saying is that when you do what I tell you to do, it's going to result in a life of good deeds. Generosity. Kindness, gentleness, love, respect for your your brother and sister who may not think the way that you do, but because of your your kindness, your generosity, your ability to live generously the way Jesus did, selflessly, totally dependent on God, your creator, it's going to bring God glory. People are going to see Jesus in you. So Jesus says in Mark 8, 34, I'm going to end with this. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must get this. Turn from your selfish ways. 
Take up your cross and follow me. I want to, I want to propose to you this, that our unbelief that we can do what Jesus calls us to do is literally a seedbed for the miraculous. Okay? Yeah, say, I'm not sure I can do this, God. That's the seedbed for the miraculous because if you step out in faith and you do what he calls you to do, you're going to see some amazing things happen. I'm not guaranteeing that. Jesus is. Okay? Because what you think is impossible is possible with God. Let's pray. All right? God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to experience the impossible uh, in a way that's just going to be amazing and bring you glory. Help us to do that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.